0: The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Yes, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by. Oh, I can't say it. It's just too filthy. Do it. Unfuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what that means.
1: It's time to get fucked. I mean, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's time for another Buy the Book mini episode.
0: That's right. It's time for another Buy the Book epilogue. This week, we are looking at the aftermath of Living by Unfuck Yourself, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life by Gary John Bishop.
1: But before that, we have a couple of reminders for you, our lovely listeners. Reminder one, if you have not checked it out already, you should definitely check out our other show, Romance Road Test. It's available exclusively on Audible. And the pilot of the show is dropped in your by-the-book feed if you go back a ways so you can listen to a little teaser. In each episode of Romance Road Test, Brad, Dean, Kristen, and myself try a questionable relationship hack on for size to see if it improves or destroys our marriages. It's like a buy-the-book just for relationships. So that is Romance Road Test and Audible Original. Find it at audible.com romanceroadtest romance road test.
0: Yeah, and you do not need to be in a relationship yourself to enjoy the show. You can just enjoy watching Jolenta, Brad, Dean, and I torture each other. You got plenty of that in there. It's a dream. It's a delight. (laughs) Reminder, too, you can get lots more of us by joining our amazing Patreon community. In exchange for a small monthly donation, you receive a weekly affirmation mini-sode every Tuesday. It's a fun little mini-sode where Jolenta and I riff on a quote that we find really inspiring and maybe, you know, just talk a little looser, a little bit more fun about our lives, different things that are happening, different ways that that quote speaks to us. And then on top of that, every Friday, you get the full written rules of every book we've ever lived by. We know that's something people have asked for for years. It's right there on Patreon. You can join by going to patreon.com slash listen to buy the book. That's patreon.com slash listen to buy the book or just follow the link in our episode description.
1: Now that those reminders are out of the way, let's get back to our fucking unfuck yourself (laughs) mini fucking episode.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Let's start with some folks who liked the book or liked the book's overall message. Leah says, I bought this book because I was looking to break out of the post-quarantine funk. I was anxious, fearful, and not myself. I thought the book might get me out of my head, and it did. My favorite takeaway from the book is the reminder that successful people throughout history have all experienced anxiety, worry, fear, imposter syndrome, et cetera, yet they acted anyway and did not let those negative and apparently totally normal thoughts hold them back. The author takes it a step further by reminding us that millions of people throughout history have had good ideas, but because many of them never act on them, they never make an impact. This was pretty mind-blowing to me. That's true.
1: You know how many people probably thought of the Snuggie, but only one person patented it and put it on TV.
0: Yeah. I remember meeting a guy who came up with the Rubik's Cube before the Rubik's Cube came out, and here was his issue. He thought he had to go bigger than the Cube, so he was making 17 other uh, Cube-related products before he was going to get them all patented. Mm. He just sat on it too long. He thought too long about it. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He had prototypes that there were actually, like, photocopies that showed he was working on these in, like, 1970. Oh,
1: my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And, like, you know, to take it from something sort of trivial to, like, a uh, larger scale, like, all the people we look up to, whether it's Malala or Martin Luther King Jr., like, do you think, like, they didn't feel anxious or fear uh, when oh facing adversity? Like. Hell no. Like, very, very true that, like, all the people we look up to have dealt with the same sort of spirally thoughts we do. And they're inspiring to look at because they've been able to push through all that and be like, I'm working on something larger than myself.
0: Yeah, it's a good reminder. Our heroes are still human. Mm -hmm. Let's see
1: who wrote in next. Amanda says, I do see some truth in Bishop's message. Yes, there is a lot out of my control. And there are systems I can't influence, but I'm affected by. But if I approach those things with a mindset of, this was done to me and it's unfair, and I stop there, I get nowhere. Instead, I take a next step with a mindset of, so now what? That helps me decide what to do and what I can control. Sometimes that comes naturally, and sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it takes time or help or both to get to the point of being able to shift into so what now mode.
0: I think that's a really good point because in a way it kind of echoes what Leah was saying. Like if you are just in that funk, if you're anxious, if you can't get out of your head, sometimes the best thing to do is, well, what Leah said, have a sense of perspective, but also what you're saying, Amanda, maybe think what's next. Now what do I do with all of this rather than just sit and stew with whatever it is that I have been handed, which, uh, frankly, oftentimes is not fair, which, frankly, is terrible in many cases. What can I do now? And sometimes that action mode, sometimes that can help us feel a little bit like we're not just trapped. Yeah, we're not, like, helpless. Maybe we're still trapped, but at least we feel like we're trying to, you know – do something for ourselves in the midst of how terrible it is.
1: Right. It's acknowledging, like, the truth and fact of the matter, but being like, how do I work with it? Yes. As opposed to being like, and now I sit back and cry, which I do often, but...
0: Yeah. And crying is healthy. Crying gets the yeah. sad out. But if that's all you're <laughs> doing, it doesn't always help us.
1: Then you're kind of stuck there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, but we do have to point out, Jolenta, despite... Mm-hmm. Folks like Amanda and Leah getting some things out of that message. Not all of you did like the book. As a matter of fact, we've been getting letters for years about this book. (laughs) One of them is from Mariana way back in March 2021. Mariana says... I am sure you have already been asked to read Gary Bishop's Unfuck Yourself, but I wanted to put in an extra request for it. I am in the middle of it, cringing and reading (laughs) with one eye closed because it is so bad. He is poisoning people with the oh-so-familiar bootstraps mentality and blaming them in the process, and somehow it has sold three million copies, so people are ingesting this terrible messaging that it's their fault if their life didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. No regard for race, class, opportunity, etc., He basically tells people to stop crying. He literally does this in his next book.
1: Oof, oof, oof. Mariana, ahead of the curve, talking (laughs) to us from the future. I guess the past, but you know. (laughs) She was predicting the future. Let's put it that way. Yes, yes. yes. I The three million copies sold does feel like a gut punch, but like I guess we've seen this before. We love sort of prosperity gospel masquerading with like edgy fuck words, right? Like the public seems to buy that up, like num, num, num.
0: Yes. And uh, Mariana is not the only one who feels this way about the book. Right. Isabel said, This book
1: this book. What a slog to get through. I made the unfortunate choice of listening to it instead of reading it, and it felt like listening to nonstop bro ramblings from a white man who is just too confident for his own good and who likes to show that he's read the classics. Thank God it was only three hours long because I couldn't listen to more than 15 minutes at a time before needing a break. (laughs) Yes, this one, I feel like this one's like pitch in in the pitch rooms at the publisher's house was like, it's one of the books, but this one is by a guy who's read other books. (laughs) Like, you know, with all the quoting involved.
0: Yeah. So many quotes. So many quotes of other white men. Other white men who've written quote-unquote classics. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Isabel, you brought up the fact that he is a white man, and a lot of you did want to write in about aspects of race in this book. Ayula said... I just like the way individuals like Gary John Bishop bring up people in the global south to browbeat people in the global north into feeling like they can't express any dissatisfaction about their lives. He specifically brought up untouchables in India. By the way, the preferred term is actually Dalits and children in somalia as people who have real problems. Uh notable, he also got malala's country completely wrong. She's from pakistan, not afghanistan. Oh my gosh. Anywho, by the logic of someone has it harder than you, so don't complain, you could just as easily say someone has it better than you, so if you're content, you should not be. That framework also offers no curiosity about casteism, colonization, and warfare that makes those people's lives difficult. Either outside circumstances matter Or, using Bishop's logic, those quote-unquote poor individuals' lives are so bad because their mindset is bad. It is just a mess. Yeah,
1: no amount of mindset is gonna, like, overturn colonialism or, like, a well-ingrained caste system that needs to be overthrown. Like, it's not, like, ideology that's getting in your way. It's the actual social structures.
0: Yeah, or are wars being fought over food and water scarcity? Maybe that's because there's a climate crisis going on and not because there's a mindset issue with the people who are fighting over the water and food. Mm -hmm.
1: Or maybe like certain people or companies like Monopolize Resources too.
0: Yes. Yes. Thank you.
1: (laughs) All right. Moving on to more problems. Some of you felt the book was problematic for white people. Uh, Marty... Wrote in to say, what disappoints me about books like Unfuck Yourself is that their target market is the population of people, young white men who are likely not economically well off, who already feel like victims, but don't necessarily have anywhere else in popular culture that affirms their feelings. Then books like Unfuck Yourself come along and instead of offering compassion and genuine advice, just push them further, telling them it's all their fault for not believing or for willing upon themselves or whatever. There's no discussion of social institutions because this target audience might not see the effect that, say, the patriarchy has on hurting men too, or how white supremacy hurts white people too. It's disappointing that compassion is seen as feminine, that discussion of institutions is seen as a political correctness thing, because I'm sure that an actual education on such topics would actually help the target demographic for unfuck yourself more than the super bland nothing it delivers.
0: Uh, This is a really interesting point, Marty. I didn't even think about it that way, but it is kind of in the same universe in some ways as like Jordan Peterson, you know. Uh, the victimhood of white men, of you're being replaced. Here is how to claim what you deserve. Um, Here is to have the right mindset where you are a winner. I deserve to win. And there's a lot of that kind of talk in this book.
1: Right. Or sort of lean into that like superiority mindset that like you already kind of want to have.
0: Yeah. And, And to not Count the advantages you already have Mm, mm -hmm. um, so that you can continue to think of yourself as the victim rather than, oh, actually, there's a lot more going on here. Yeah, that's such
1: a good point. But, Kristen, at least one of our listeners believes that it might just be the thing that privileged white people need, which is interesting. Ah,
0: yes, yes. Eveline says, I do think that there are a lot of white, straight, cis, able-bodied, privileged people who have a victim mentality, and for them, a book like this might actually work. But I think you should make it clear that this book is meant for those people, and that is often what is lacking.
1: Interesting. Yes, yes. Like, people who are born on third base, you're not victims. But let's have a disclaimer that this is for people who are born on third base. If you're, like, (laughs) an actual victim of social inequity or, like, structures that, like, fuck people, go elsewhere. Because this is just for those people up top who, like, think they're victims.
0: Yeah. People who had it really hard, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, remember how hard he had it, Jolenta. He had it so hard. Oh
1: my gosh! Just re-listening to us talking about that and just the irony again of him being brought up in a chapter about relentlessness when he is known for like being a sexual aggressor aggressor is
0: what he doesn't take no for an I answer, Jolenta. And
1: neither should the rest of us. <laughs> what? Not in that God. context. <laughs> ay, 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 I'm falling apart. Um. Let's take a quick break, shall we?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. But when we're back, we'll hear feedback that all of y'all out there had for us and how we lived by the book.
1: Now is the perfect time to start Babble for all of your travels. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions with addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons for wherever you are in your language learning journey. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson. How nice and simple is that? If only that is what learning a language was like back in high school. Oh, I would have loved it then. And you can start having real life conversations with what you've learned from Babel within as little as three weeks. That's awesome. Unlike other language learning apps, Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts. And with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Portuguese, Turkish, Swedish, Polish. There are so many different languages because who doesn't want those little bite-sized 10-minute lessons? Plus, with Babbel's speech recognition technology, you can literally improve your pronunciation and accent while you learn the language. That is awesome. And in addition to Babbel's lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. And there's a 20-day money-back guarantee, but I doubt you will be needing it. Right now, save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babble.com slash btb. That's babble.com slash btb for up to 60% off your subscription. Babble, language for life.
0: We are back with listener comments about Unfuck Yourself. And now, more specific feedback for the two of us. Jolenta, let's start with some feedback for you. Uh-oh. Meg says, Jolenta, every time you talk with your therapist on the show, I want to reach out and ask if you'll give me her name. I need a good <laughs> therapist, and I don't know how to find one. The two I've tried so far were terrible. One just sat there and nodded the whole time and asked how do you feel about that (laughs) when what I really needed was guidance? The other essentially did what the author of Unfuck Yourself does, blame me for everything. At this rate, I understand why so many people are adverse to therapy. I'm not, but I'm starting to wonder if I'll ever find a good one. Jolenta, do you have any tips?
1: It is tough finding a good therapist. It took me I think this therapist I'm working with, who I love and have been with for a while now, it's my fourth one for sure. And the hard part about finding a therapist is like you only learn what your parameters are when you have a bad experience. I sort of feel like. like, you know, it's only through experience I've learned. I can't handle ones who ask like, how do you feel every two seconds? I need ones that can sort of make trick me into thinking I'm having like an actual conversation. <laughs> and it's like, and again, how do you find that out by like going and talking with the person? You know what I mean? It's tough, but I'd say perseverance. And like, for me personally, I have found better experience. Like my rule of thumb tends to be like, go older. That, that's what I do. I look for experience. Like not like they're about to retire, but like they're going to retire in like 10 years. <laughs> like That's what I look for, like that breadth of experience, where I feel like they've seen a lot, been through a lot, and are aren't very self conscious in their work. But that's like my personal preference. Some people don't have that. My partner Brad, he likes people who are like fresh out of school. He feels like they're way more relatable to him. So, like, there you go.
0: Yeah, and I just want to throw in here: I've had a lot of therapists too, including ones that were terrible fits for me. That. Worked well for other people. Like, one of my friends, her therapist, like, stops by her house and brings her presents and invites her to parties. And I'm like, I don't want my therapist to be that way. But she's been with that therapist now for 20 years and loves her. And I'm like, that is not what I want from a therapist. And then I know other people who what they have with their therapist is very, very instructional with assignments week after week after week. Mm. And some people love that. Some people hate it. Every therapist is different and every individual need is different. So I don't want to say there are good and bad therapists. I just want to say some therapists are better fits than others, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, Let's get to this other letter for you, Jolenta. Aaron says, I have multiple chronic illnesses and like Jolenta am immunocompromised. I have often asked myself, What did I do to deserve this? Essentially, what this book tells its readers to ask of themselves, and it sickens me. Jolenta, your TikToks, by the way, are inspired. They say the things so many of us in the chronic illness community want to say. They're funny, they're gut-wrenching, and they are honest. Keep it going. Oh my gosh, thank you, Erin.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of chronic illness content I see is like, like, makes me sadder, to be honest. Like, there are people I follow on TikTok who who are dealing with chronic illness, and, like, some of their videos are just, like, three of them in a row, like, crying about a thing. And, like, that's real. And, like, people respond to that. But for me, as a comedian, I feel like my job is to take, like, what we've all been crying about and try to make it, like, a bite-sized, like, snackable, like, huh, like, haha, a little bit. So because not everyone responds to crying. Some people respond to laughter. And if I can like sneak in a little fucking message about like how weird life is being immunocompromised during a pandemic or just having chronic illness at all, like goal achieved. So thank you, Erin, for the feedback. (laughs) But now let's go to feedback for Kristen, shall we?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: First, I would like to play a voice memo we got sent by Whitney. Reminder, you can always send us voice memo and we will play it because we love to hear your voice. So here's Whitney.
0: Hi, Kristen. I am so sorry to hear about what you went through with your abnormal mammogram and not getting anyone to talk with you about it for weeks. Um, I am a doctor and I also had a mastectomy after my first ever mammogram uh, came back abnormal last year. Just not to scare you at all, but to say that I totally empathize with how difficult this is. I wish that I had access to your medical record so I could go
1: over your results with you and put in an order for the next test that you need. I'm so sorry that you've been dealing with this, um, and I hope that everything ends up going well.
0: Wow. Well, Whitney and everybody else who wrote yes, in to check. we up, heard from so many people. Oh, my gosh. So many of you wrote in to check up on me. And I want to say thank you so much. Um, it only took about a week and a half later, so three and a half weeks total. And finally, uh, my doctor did indeed call me, and she was so breezy about it, I was mm. enraged. She was mm-hmm. so breezy. Because I was very frank with her. I hey, said, I kept you waiting for almost a month. Ha-ha. I was like, um, I don't understand why it took this long. I was told, frankly, that people would call me back each and every time I called. I was told by the end of the day or by the end of the week, somebody will call me back. Nobody did. And she said, Oh, you know how it is, summer hours. And, you know, the nurse you talked to last time, or maybe it was the time before, one of those nurses did have a death in the family yesterday. And I'm like, Yesterday? Yeah. What about the three weeks before yesterday I'm sure that she relayed the message before that like yeah like really but she was like oh you know anywho some people have breast tissue and it's kind of dense yours might be dense we don't know so um yeah I will write the referral so you can go and get the 3D imaging and you can get the extra high-tech mammogram but you know there's there's no reason to have to you know be so wound up about this she was like that. And I'm like, oh my god! Oh, I hate that. Don't gaslight. How have I been going to you for twenty years? I need a new doctor. Yeah. Oh no. Don't be breezy. Sorry. Yeah, I don't
1: like the like breeziness. Like, no. Don't be breezy. Everyone's health is serious to them. Sorry, doctor. Like, rarely do you have a chance to be breezy in your work.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't. I no.
1: Don't be breezy with me. I don't like that. I'm sorry. You had to go through that.
0: Yeah, but, um, yeah, I did get the referral. I went back for all the additional imaging. Everything is okay so far? Thankfully. Good, good.
1: Yes. Yeah, I had a feeling, like, my mom is in the same camp as you, where she just had, like, and I'm assuming I will be, too, once I start getting mammograms, which I should probably start thinking about. But, yeah, she always has to do a mammogram and then, like, an x-ray or some sort of, like, mm-hmm. imaging as well, because, like, that tissue
0: gets dense. Yeah, some of us have very dense boobies, but mm-hmm. I don't. Oh, gosh, it was terrible. It was really, really terrible. I
1: hate that. And then like the medical gaslighting of like, no, we need to get worked up. It's like, except for the times there is a need to get worked up, and it's hard to differentiate until we get the fucking results, you know. Yeah.
0: But also, just don't lie to me and say you're going to call me back when you're not going. Right. To. Just be like the doctor's in and out
1: for like the next few weeks. Like it's gonna be. It, we might have to wait a while honesty could go a long way um let's move on to a letter you got from chris who says why didn't kristen just schedule an actual appointment with the doctor to go over her mammogram results it seems to me that our shitty medical system isn't set up for doctors to make calls not that this runaround wasn't total bs it was and i would be switching providers just curious if there was another way to get this done
0: Well, Chris, there was not another way to get it done. I was told repeatedly that I should expect a phone call back today or later this week. I never got that phone call back. I was repeatedly told it would be the doctor who would call me back because the people on the nurse's line were not allowed to interpret those results for me. So it was the doctor who had to. And uh, the only way to get an appointment at my particular clinic is to be okay waiting for 10 weeks if you are an existing patient or 15 weeks if you are a new patient. That is just very typical for a lot of New York clinics. So yeah, I I did not want to make an appointment for 10 weeks down the road to get the results from this thing that I was told should have been given to me over the phone by a doctor.
1: Yeah. She did everything... (laughs) Buy the book, so Ah. to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nell wrote in to say, Kristen, I can't believe how civil you were on the phone call each time you called your doctor. I've learned to become pushy and really annoying in such circumstances or to just show up in person
0: and make a scene. Uh, but I do like that. Before I could even respond to this, Jameel responded. Yes, many women of color have learned that screaming or becoming a nuisance gets us even worse service, if not being asked to leave, mm-hmm. or having the police called. It's part of why acting like that is called being a Karen, and not a name people are more likely to associate with women of color.
1: Yeah, because like white women have the privilege to go a little more nuts in public. Let's yeah. be. Honest And, like, even, like, because women in general know that, like, when you make a scene, sometimes that can be interpreted as, like, hysterical or, like, overreacting, being over-emotional, and, like, that's compounded when you're a person of color. Yes. From what I have learned from hearing about other people's experiences, it gets way worse. You get discounted way quicker, and, like, white women rarely have the threat of the police being called on them. Like, fact.
0: Yeah. Speaking of being discounted, Robert sent along something interesting to us.
1: Yeah, Robert sent along a study published in the National Library of Medicine showing that Kristen's experience is not uncommon for Asian Americans. This is so interesting. According to the study, 69% of patients received follow-up medical care within seven days of an abnormal mammogram. However, if you are Asian or over the age of 70, the follow-up time goes up significantly.
0: Holy shit. Robert, that was so illuminating. That's so wild.
1: I'm sure that's like, what is that, taking advantage of like stereotypes? People who are perceived as weak, maybe? Right, like polite or weak or like fine waiting. like
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and people over the age of 70 and Asian, that is fucking wild. Medical discrimination knows no bounds is no. something I've learned.
0: Yeah, it is real. Um. Robert, thanks for sending that along. It was so validating and upsetting at the same time. Right. It's like, yes, Kristen,
1: you're not alone. But also, this is so strange and should not be happening. Yes. And a lot of you guys also wrote in with just your own horror stories with doctors and with cancer and cancer scares to commiserate with Kristen.
0: Yes. Marjorie wrote in to say, a similar thing happened to me in February with biopsy results And my mom had died from inflammatory breast cancer, so by day three, I was a basket case. I do not anger easily and tend to go the sad, crying route with my anxiety. I basically explained to the nurse that while logically, I knew the longer it took, the better the news it was because in medicine, no news is good news. Emotionally, however, I was freaking out because of my dead mom and family history of breast cancer. Yeah. I was so emotional, and thankfully, the nurse took pity on me and said nothing was official until the doctor reviewed the results. But in their eyes, everything looked okay. Ooh, nice. Something else I did to calm myself down while I was waiting was call the American Cancer Society. That is 2345. The wonderful people there have talked me off the ledge many times about family members and my own cancer scares. It's seriously what they're there for, and they will answer all your questions and not rush you at all. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I didn't know they did that. Such a good
1: resource. That's great. Wow, that's incredible. I didn't know that that's what they did. I thought it was just like if you need a doctor recommendation in your area or something, but it's like, oh, right, they're full of knowledge and like there to impart it.
0: That's so great. That's so great.
1: I wish doctors would, like, look at the medical history of people and see, like, where their possible trauma could lie and be like, oh, it says here, like, her mother died of breast cancer. Maybe let's, like, respect that a little and, like, give her an answer quicker. But, like, that's asking a lot of our medical system,
0: apparently. Yeah. And I will say this as somebody who is adopted, every single time I go in, they ask again about my family history. And every time, again, I have to tell them I'm adopted again. And that's not a problem for me, but some people have a lot of trauma around the fact that they were adopted or orphaned or in the foster care system growing up. And they don't want to every single time get the same questionnaire at every doctor about their family history.
1: Yeah, I don't know what
0: the right answer is there. Uh,
1: It's a tough, it's a tough world. And we just should treat people with respect in regard to medical issues and following up with them. Yes, just do what you're saying you're going to do. Just call back. You'd think it would be easy. Ugh, let's move on to another story. Stephen wrote in to say, "'That willed it thing after the mammogram is horrific. It is a thing that does cross your mind anyway when you do get a diagnosis or an abnormal test, too. But there is no possible way someone secreted their way into cancer. My whole family, apart from my sister, had some kind of cancer. No way we all magicked that up. It's biology.'" Cells make mistakes. They get overexcited and grow out of control. I'm pretty witchy and woo-woo, but in my experience, spells need to be followed up by actual action. Anyway, the waiting is always the worst part, for me at least. When I got my Hodgkin's diagnosis, they came at me with a plan of action, and I just had to go through that. The weeks before are horrible, and I do not recommend Also, I've lived in Ireland. We watch America in awe of how fucked the healthcare system is over there. There is a place for raging at a fucked system that needs fixing. Mm, Steven. There is a place for it.
0: There is. And bless you and everybody who has better healthcare than us in the U.S. How are we so-called the greatest country on earth, the so-called richest country on earth, the so-called most educated country on earth, and yet... Our medical system is so terrible compared to so many other countries. Totally. And, like, I'd also like to thank Stephen for just pointing out the obvious.
1: Like, biology is what makes most most illnesses and things go awry within our bodies. Like, cells duplicate. They sometimes uh, duplicate with errors, and those errors get copied, and then we have cancer. And, like, some people are literally genetically predisposed because of the DNA that has been passed down over generations. And no one at any point in time was like, oh, what if, like, my whole lineage gets fucked with cancer? (laughs) Like, no. I'm going to manifest cancer. It's just, like, the (laughs) luck of the draw and the randomness of how cells were put together and, like, how DNA gets passed down.
0: Bodies are amazing. And sometimes they just do what they want to do.
1: Exactly. And now I want to go back to the healthcare system and just talk about remember, Kristen, when people were streaming the Oprah interview with Megan and Harry from all over the world, and a lot of people were streaming it from, like, American streams, and the international people were horrified at the amount of drug ads we had. I really liked <laughs> watching that on Twitter like, explode. People being like, wait, what the fuck? Every other commercial is for medicine? How is this legal? And I'm like, oh, I... Uh, I've been like pretending to do medical side effects since I was a kid, like the voiceovers, like, you know, <laughs> may diarrhea, like pain, death, your arm falling off, and blue, blue. Yeah, all of those. We're <laughs> like, do not take if you're allergic to this drug. <laughs> like, my, that's my favorite, favorite which is how do you know unless you've tried it and had an allergic reaction? <laughs> Think about those commercials while we take a break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from some of you out there about books that just have the word fuck in the title because you know we love discussing that. And also, of course, we will be announcing next week's book, so you got to stick around. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles on a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now I don't need to go to Mars because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then, I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. All right, we are back, and it's about fucking time that we talk about self-help books that use fuck in the fucking title.
0: Fuck yeah. Let's do, do it. it starting with Stephen. Steven says, I rarely have high hopes for a self help book with swearing in the title. It's like that kid who tries too hard to be cool. Mm hmm. <laughs> mm hmm. The fucks or the girls. Ah, those girl. ones.
1: <laughs> but Jen wrote in to say, I highly recommend the podcast Fuck Your Brain with Kara Lowenthal. She's a feminist mindset coach and the podcast itself tremendously helped me. Listening to it is what encouraged me to pursue therapy. Hmm, so maybe podcast with fucking the title... Not as bad as books, perhaps?
0: (laughs) Electra says, oh, yeah, there are so many books with fuck in the title. But they're not all bad. Unfuck Your Habit is anti-oppressive. I want to check some dates and see if this bishop guy wrote this book after Unfuck Your Habit became a thing as a blog and book. Because if so, he was extra super gross stealing and heavily distorting her branding vibe and philosophy. Interesting. And to that, Rachel Hoffman chimed in right away. Rachel Hoffman, by the way, is one of our moderators. Oh, hey, Rachel. I
1: was like, I know that name.
0: (laughs) And she said, I can help. I'm the author of Unfuck Your Habit. Unfuck Your Habit has existed in blog and social media forms since 2011, and my first book came out in January 2017. Unfuck Yourself, on the other hand, did not come out until August of 2017. There's also a series of unfucked books by someone else that came out in the years after that were unrelated as well. Fun fact, you could not trademark a brand name with profanity in the U.S. until 2019. No way. Interesting. Thank you for that. info, Rachel,
1: that's so funny. Of course. Of course, like American puritanical Puritanical trademarks are like, (laughs) no fucks. Oh,
0: gosh. We're so uptight here. (laughs)
1: Wow, that's so interesting! And of course, this dude capitalized on something that was already going on. Like, you think he's had an original thought? His book is half quotes. Like, (laughs) sorry, maybe I'm being too harsh at this point, but like, (laughs) let's be real. You're just telling the truth, Jolenta. Thank you, thank you, (laughs) thank you. Also to everyone who wrote in this week, we love, love, love hearing from you. You can always share your thoughts with us at our private Facebook group. It's a great sort of insulated universe to share things with us in. It's at facebook.com groups
0: slash btbpod. And of course, you can also write us at Kristen Angelenta at gmail.com. That's where Whitney sent her voice memo to us, and that's where a lot of other people wrote in this week. So feel free to do that as well.
1: Exactly. And now, Kristen, it's time.
0: <gasps> it's the time when we announce next week's book. Our next book is Why Men Love Bitches From Dormat to Dream Girl A Woman's Guide to Holding Her Own in a Relationship by Sherry Argov
1: Ah yes, the two types of women, doormats and dream girls. There are only two types. Which
0: ones will we be? Listen next week to find out. And that's it
1: for this mini episode of By the Book. Huge thank you to our amazing production team. They're fucking great. Corinne Wallace and Marcus Hamm.
0: Thanks also to Nate Wida,
1: composer of our theme song, and Rizzo's performers of our theme song.
0: Please stay in touch. Please let us know if you've read Unfuck Yourself. Also, send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. We already mentioned our email address, Jolenta at gmail.com, but you can reach us so many other ways, Mm -hmm. including on Twitter at ByTheBookPod and on Instagram at ByTheBookPod.
1: And don't forget to rate us and review us. Look down at where you're listening right now and maybe hit five stars and be like, it's funny. It helps people (laughs) find the show. And who doesn't want to find a good show? Also, you can tell a friend about the show. That's a really easy way to help someone find it.
0: Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Stitcher.